Hi, I'm Kirsten. I'm Libby. I'm Tori. I'm Quentin. And we're we're Crooked Crooked Classics. This week we're reading Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet was written by William Shakespeare, most likely in 1595. Born in 1564, Shakespeare was a famous poet, playwright, and actor, and is considered to be the greatest writer in the English language and the world's greatest dramatist. He was active in the theater during the reigns of both Elizabeth I and James I, both of whom attended his plays. He wrote 37 plays in his life and collaborated on more. His plays have had an influence on literature in an international scale and continues to be performed, taught, and referenced widely. He died in 1613 and is buried in Holy Trinity Church in his hometown of Stratford-upon-Avon. Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy involving two young people who meet at a party only to discover that they are from families that have been feuding. The first scene establishes that the feud is even carried amongst their servants who quarrel in the street. Despite the feud, the two fall in love and get married the following day by a friar who believes that their love might put an end to the feud. Shortly after the wedding, Juliet's cousin Tybalt kills Romeo's cousin Mercutio, and Romeo in anger avenges Mercutio by killing Tybalt. Because the law states that Tybalt's penalty would be death, Romeo is only banished instead of executed. He goes to Juliet to say goodbye before leaving for Mantua, where he can be in correspondence with Verona. Juliet's parents didn't know she is married in, so she stays behind, where her parents try to force her into marriage with a count named Paris. Juliet and the friar who performed her wedding decide that they will avoid the unwanted marriage by faking her death and having Romeo return to take her to Mantua after the medicine wears off. Romeo does not receive the message on time and is instead told that Juliet has died. He returns to Verona to kill himself to be with her. Juliet wakes and uses Romeo's dagger to kill herself. The two families realize how wrong they were and each erects a statue in honor of the other's lost child. Just in case you guys didn't know what Romeo and Juliet was about. For those about of you somehow. who weren't ever in ninth grade. <laughs> hey, it was we didn't read it in ninth school. grade. Well, I read it in ninth grade, but I was in a lower level. First time I read it was <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> How did it feel? Well, the language was pretty impenetrable for a little while. It's an adjustment. It is. Yeah. You then... read a couple plays and you'll be fine. It's true. You fall into the rhythm eventually. Yeah, I started falling in the rhythm. The literal rhythm. Halfway through it. Shakespeare put the I am and I am Okay. Then after that, it was pretty nice. He did the characters. Story was okay. <laughs> See, I kind of like the characters. It's really just the story that I have a problem with. If you wanted to give me a slice of life about like Capulet, Montague, feud bullshit... <laughs> I would be down for that, especially if Mercutio was alive. I love that little bitch. <laughs> okay, I think Mercutio it may be the bitch and I love him so much. <laughs> I'm, I think it may be the dramatic characters that I hate. It's true because Mercutio is definitely more comedic. Uh, yeah, Mercutio kind of came across as the comedy relief of the of the story of the play, yeah. and then the play all went to shit after Mercutio died. His last so, pun may be the last listen, joke in the play. Oh, <laughs> likely. makes a lot of sex jokes and then gets very uncomfortable at the actual possibility of sex. And then he, do- he does and immediately makes a pun about it. And that is an asexual man right there. I think That's he might just hate happen. women. I don't know if it counts if you're just a misogynist. Ask for me tomorrow. You will find me a grave man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Am I the only one who thought that Romeo was completely insufferable? I thought him and Juliet were both completely insufferable. 
Okay, so first off, at the very beginning, he is pining over a woman who said that she would rather go to the church and be a nun than be with him. And he just completely falls and just pure depression, angst, anxiety, whatever, what have you. I'm like, Romeo, get the team over yourself. He's a teenager. They do that angst thing. It's true. They do. But like, (laughs) she was right. Well, Um, she was. Friar Lawrence, (laughs) who will from here on out be referred to as Doc, because West Side Story is the only version of Romeo and Juliet that is not insufferable. (laughs) Disagree. It's fine that you don't have taste. The 60s one is good. Just because it looks nice. It doesn't even look that it's nice, very okay? Pretty, it in is, my opinion. It's pretty, but there's a hat that uh, Lady Capulet wears that I was like, that's a weird interpretation of a historical hat. No, <laughs> it is a 1960s thing. I found the, the fashion plate to prove it, and I can prove it right now, but not to the people listening. <laughs> I will take your word for it. Attaching the description. It's the best one, but it's not the um, only valid one. When Romeo was prying over Rosalind, um, my thoughts went back to ragtime with why do you have to cling to someone in order to be somebody? And it feels like Romeo was just clinging to Rosalind. Romeo was a horrible himbo. And then decided to start clinging to Juliet. He's and like Tony, but stupider. If, as if such a thing was even possible. Yes. Well, surprise. Uh, <laughs> wonder if that's, if that's like actual... Diagnosed syndrome where, like, guys just need to attach themselves to other people. I think it's just yeah. general lack of emotional health. Which I wonder if there's a name for it, is what I'm Most saying. Most men have the emotional range of a teaspoon, mm-hmm. if that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... but that's like, that's society's fault. Mm-hmm. They could harness mm-hmm. it if they were taught. They Romeo just has three moves. And that's it. <laughs> I, d- I didn't think of the moods before. Corny <laughs> pining something else. Corny pining anger. Stabby. Yes, stabby. <laughs> does he want to stab the woman with his dick, or does he want to stab the man with his sword? Two kinds of stabbing. Just make sure he doesn't get the next up. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want that uh, battle lust. really awkward. Yeah. Um, although yeah. I'm sure that there's Tybalt Romeo fanfiction out there. Oh, I'm sure. Imagine can... if your enemy skips up to you in the street and he's like, I love you. And you're like, I'm going to fucking cut your head off. <laughs> and then he's like, but I love you. The other question I had was, did, did Romeo have like some sort of mental illness or like abusive upbringing in order for him to cling to someone so like completely? His parents seem to like him a lot better than Juliet's parents like her. His yeah. mom literally died of despair because he got banished. I was like, girl, you can go to Mantua in a day. That, that, that's, that's the thing <laughs> is that Romeo was a man. He was actually a person. <laughs> <laughs> so in the times, he was actually considered a person. So okay. of course his parents love him. Do we want to start actually going through the story, or are we going to go over all the characters first? I'm just saying Romeo's we're insufferable. We're just talking about we're the just, play. That's what we have like 12 people listening to this. We're talk. complaining. It's fine. Okay, moving on. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> shall we talk about Juliet? I feel bad because she's a literal child, but she's, she's 13. She's 13. She is 13. So, I can excuse that. So the thing is, the only time when Italy had, like, principalities, like, it ended in, like, the 1330s-ish. Um, and getting married at that age in the nobility specifically, really common. Now, what wasn't common 
what was not common at all, and I don't know that Shakespeare knew this because he was not living then, was consummating said marriage. Um, because it happened to Margaret Beaufort in the 1450s-ish. Libby's looking at me like she doesn't know who that is. That's fine. Um, Isn't that Henry, Henry uh, VIII's Henry... grandmother? Yeah. She got knocked up at 12, gave birth at 13, almost died, and never had children again. And people given... were like, that's yeah. real weird. Right? No, as soon as she was pregnant, people were like, you did what? <laughs> yeah, for Paris to have consummated his marriage with Juliet when she was 13 going on 14, would have been very poorly regarded, even for people in their position. Well, would anyone have done anything? No, but it would have been poorly regarded. It would have been like, mm. Technically, she was 13 going on dead. That's true. She did well, not make it to 14. True. But then the question is, do did Romeo and Juliet consummate their marriage at, um, during that scene where they wake up and have that conversation with the nightingale versus the lark. It's pretty heavily implied, especially with some later say. dialogue that they did. It feels yes. pretty, pretty implied. Yeah. Pretty so she's a wife who's been enjoyed. Yeah. And I did not like. <laughs> Let me just say that I absolutely hate the Capulets. Like, with every <laughs> fiber of my being. They are so freaking insufferable, especially with the quote of, like, younger than her our happy mother's maid for Juliet. Yeah. And that like, was from her mom, wasn't that was, it? That was from her mom. Like, no thank you. I do like, not want a 12-year-old. Her mom did not like her. Like, straight up, I think her mom did not like her. Because even yeah. her dad was like, nah, dude, it's a little weird. Wait till she's, like, 16. <laughs> now, he went back on that. He went back on that very much, so. Mm-hmm. But, like, at least he tried, and her mom was just like, ah, no, send her away. And she's like, she's just always so mean to Juliet. She's always criticizing Juliet. My mm-hmm. mommy issues really activated with Lady Capulet. I'll tell you what. I was like, damn, why doesn't she like her kid? <laughs> You're both women. Yeah, I know women she, support women. Well, I know she even says that that uh, she uh, got married and all that at that, t- at that age. And I think it's also that... Juliet might have been the daughter when she wanted a son. Yeah, because yeah, she is their only kid. It's, I think it's implied yeah. that they tried a few other times and they, like, <laughs> got nothing. Yeah. yeah. I'm I mean, remembering a meme, uh, and it's like, all throughout history, guys, like, would treat their women bad whenever it's actually up to the dude's biology to decide whether the child is a son or a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I'm thinking of is, did they send me daughters? When I ask for sons, <laughs> the answer is yes, if you're Lord Capulet. <laughs> they didn't even send you multiple daughters. They, they just, just sent, sent you one. one. Also, if you're Leisha. <laughs> yes. It actually makes the Tybalt thing a little bit worse because they don't really reference any other direct cousins of Juliet, which means yeah. that Tybalt was probably his uncle's heir. Like, yeah. Romeo deadass murdered the next Lord Capulet. Okay, here's the thing, though, is that... That's the other thing is that Juliet meets Romeo, marries Romeo the day after meeting him. You can't marry a man you just met. You can if it's true love. What do you know about true love? (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a Disney quote that felt a little personal, (laughs) No, you're right. (laughs) Well, now I just feel bad for you. True love is an illusion. There is no unconditional love. People can make you unlove them. It's true. Depends on the person. Probably true. 
I think Quentin and Libby are promising not to unlove each other right now with their eyes. <laughs> We're not so good at the reading people for the other two here. I'm guessing based on context. <laughs> so back to the thing is that Juliet married Romeo literally the day after meeting him. They didn't him. live that long back then. You have to act. Juliet I, was 13 I, and I, stupid. I understand that. But she literally knew Romeo for two days. Two freaking days. And Romeo kills Tybalt, her cousin, blood-related, for 13 years. Yeah. Like, he probably played with her when she was a little kid. Exactly. And Juliet is mourning the fact that Romeo got banished and not the fact that her cousin got killed. Yeah, on both, and then just kind of shifted focus. Like, she she did not mourn Tybalt. She didn't mourn Tybalt. I did not get that at all. I literally thought that that Juliet was mourning the fact that Romeo was banished. Other than, like, not even recognizing Tybalt just died. When she, when it, when she first finds out, there's a very back and forth, like, oh my god, my cousin's dead. Oh my god, my husband's being banished. Oh my god, my husband's yeah. my cousin. Should I be angry about this? I'm not angry about this. I feel really bad for Romeo. I also feel really bad that Tybalt's dead. There is a back and forth of that for, like, three minutes. I do think that this play needed more moments like that. Like, more back and forth, more inner dialogue kind of thing? Yes. And not, like, the giant speeches about, oh, look at these lilies in the field. Because yeah. <laughs> I do think that while Lord Capulet should have should have like you know kept his word and like made them wait two years to get married if they had gone through that for him i think him and his wife that would have been really interesting go through what the inner monologue the thoughts oh, behind they it argued more about whether or not juliet should get married yeah i feel like mm-hmm. the, the play is very short and i understand that like it's it's supposed to be short i mean they typically just like performed it right but i feel like it's too short and there's not enough like inner dialogue or like any deep conversations in order to get a general a better feel for these characters right i mean we understand the mercutio is the butt of the joke in the entire play and then obviously the play starts out as like a kind of like a comedy with mercutio and romeo and juliet and turning into a romance there and then once mercutio died since he was the clown of the story once he died like everything just started to tumble right everything just started to fall down into this tragic loss and despair right and i feel like that was part of what shakespeare was going for but i also feel like having those inner dialogues would have helped us a lot more with getting into the nitty-gritty of why they were doing all this right i think the problem is he hadn't really built enough depth in the characters to handle the switch from comedy to tragedy yeah i think if it had started as a tragedy he would have been fine and like stayed a tragedy i think if it just started as a comedy and somehow stayed a comedy it would have been fine um he did not really do a good job with the switch which feels ironic to say because it's Shakespeare. I feel like I'm not really necessarily allowed to criticize him. How are you? But I hate Shakespeare anyway. How can you live with with yourself after criticizing the bard? Because he's a penis. I don't like (laughs) Shakespeare. I'm sorry. I like Hamlet. I like the line where Mercutio says, "If you ask for me tomorrow, you will find me a grave man." That's it. That's the extent of my. You even like a Midsummer Night's Dream? I do not like a Midsummer. I've never successfully finished a Shakespeare play that I did not have to read for school except Hamlet. 
So I, when I was like researching for the background info on Romeo and Juliet, I found that that and Midsummer Night's Dream were in the same summer. And there's some like theory that the Pyramus and Thisbe bit at the end of Midsummer Night's Dream, which you wouldn't know about, um, was him making fun of his own Romeo and Juliet play from earlier that year. There's also, you know what (laughs) what bothers me the most about Romeo and Juliet? It has nothing to do with her age or her relationship to her parents. What? No one ever talks about how marriage worked in the late medieval era for the second half of the play to make sense. I don't think they needed to because it was contemporary at the time it'd be okay, like but it wasn't to... contemporary when i was taught this play in ninth grade and oh trying so you mean to... when people when teach people it, teach it. Oh, okay yes. i thought you meant in the play I was no like, no no that no. doesn't make a lot of they, sense that was just like a generational <laughs> memory like they were like yeah that happened um because like shakespeare's mom would have lived in that time but right. um at the time if you got married and by married i mean Hey, I like you. I think you're cool. You both say that in front of a priest or a maybe priest, then boom, you're married. But if your parents are like, "Mm, you're not, then you're not again. And that's how it would be like legal, even though she was married to Romeo for Juliet to marry Paris, which was going to be one awkward situation when he figured it out because he's probably, she's not that good at keeping secrets. Um, No. She's 13, so... And the nurse likes to talk. She really do. Yes. I was actually surprised she didn't give it away. Yeah. That's true. I think if they'd had to keep the secret any longer than, like, three days... That's probably why Juliet kept it from the nurse when she got that medicine from the friar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If she hadn't, if she shared it with the nurse, the nurse would have let everybody know. And then Juliet would have woken up in her bed with her parents standing over her, tapping tapping their feet, like, the f*** are you doing? Like... (laughs) She already got damn near disowned once. She had to go to confession and everything, which, to be fair, is what I also had to do when I disrespected my parents. Um. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm Lutheran. I don't have to talk to anybody. I'm so glad I'm atheist. <laughs> it's the Catholic to atheist switch is one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. I'll tell you what. Now, unfortunately, because I didn't... Uh, end up getting confirmed i cannot be personally excommunicated by the pope which was my goal for a really long time until i realized that um but i'll take what i can get you know being an atheist it's a good deal compared to catholicism that said if i had to be a christian again i would absolutely go to catholicism because the aesthetic slaps i think um (laughs) catholicism was actually part of the reason it was like not to critique the catholic church in the modern era but no shakespeare shakespeare was absolutely anglican and uh Queen Elizabeth and James I were very Anglican and very much, like, pushing that. And he was kind of writing for them. Those two were the target audience. Everybody else is happy. That's nice. But (laughs) it's very important that Elizabeth and James like it. So these Catholic people not getting to make their own decisions, not having access to their own choices, uh, like the Anglicans had, that would have been an influence there. Well, you got to keep your patrons happy. Mm -hmm. I think the Anglican Church is just the Catholic Church at like eighty percent volume, and oh, Queen yeah, is the Pope instead. It is so. absolutely Diet Catholicism, <laughs> but in fifteen ninety five, that was like a big deal. That's true. It's yeah, big deal in fifteen ninety five. I'll have, give you guys that one. I have an English Renaissance hyperfixation. I hope everyone's enjoying. It. I am. I think that's important. Yes, I think we all are. I think we're the target it's audience not of our podcast. Go away. Wait a minute. <laughs> My that's big why beef I make with you Rome. <laughs> 
with Romeo and Juliet is when it's taught, they don't talk about how marriage worked at the time to make the second half make sense. Because as much as I find it deeply problematic that Juliet is 13, I realize and understand that was quite normal for the time. Honestly, 13 and 18 in the context of that particular time period isn't even that bad. In the context of that particular time period, obviously an 18-year-old going after a 13-year-old today is completely unacceptable. But the fact is, the developmental gap and the gap in life experience would not have been as severe in that time period. Mm -hmm. Um, Paris, on the other hand, was like 25 and had no excuse. That's weird. Julian's dad said it was weird. It's weird. I really love how every time Paris is like, hello, my love, she's like red at 235. (laughs) (laughs) very unenthusiastic acknowledged captain <laughs> he probably just thought like she was modest and retiring but she's actually horny as fuck, which is weird because she's 13 um <laughs> <laughs> she's made it very clear sir that she wants what she wants and what she wants is not you i love that for her though like yeah <laughs> honestly, honestly she goes for it at least she went for it in a legally sanctioned way Technically, it was likely sanctioned because yeah. I do know, also just find it interesting because, like, we were talking about in previous episodes, the men writing women thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Shakespeare never spoke to a woman. You can tell. Yeah, oh, yeah I don't no. think he ever talked to his wife. Like, yes, no. he had three children with his wife, and two of them were girls. But did he ever talk to them? I doubt it. He probably yeah. talked to the Queen of England, but more of a not a long situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why his happy. family was in Stratford upon Avon, and he was in London with most likely his boyfriend. Probably. Oh, yeah. Sure likely. wish we knew who that was. I'm sure there's speculation. Time or travelers. Likely. <laughs> <laughs> One of our coworkers asked me the other day if I thought Christopher Marlowe, or if I was aware of the Christopher Marlowe theories, and I was like, yeah, do not start on the Christopher Marlowe is actually William Shakespeare in a beard. Like, or Shakespeare is Christopher Marlowe in a beard. Like, just don't. We don't have time. <laughs> well, you don't have to describe the theories to me, but why don't you like it? Because there's a lot of evidence for Shakespeare's existence, and also because I find theories like that weird and kind of annoying. I don't know why. Oh, I didn't realize people were debating whether or not Shakespeare actually existed. I thought they were just debating whether or not he wrote his own plays or if he was like a figurehead. You know, no, now that you say that, I'm not sure, but I'm type, pretty sure. And typewriters in a room. <laughs> but there are so many made-up words in these plays. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like fleer, which is to laugh jeeringly at somebody. It's you. Oh. <laughs> It's true. Listen, I'm just a professional roaster. <laughs> Pigs, beef, and bitches. <laughs> That's why I made the chicken for Friendsgiving. <laughs> uh, there was one part in this play. Quentin brought it up yesterday when he was reading it, and I'm still laughing at it. When Romeo and Juliet were like talking on Juliet's balcony for the first time, she called him back. And he said, and he asked why she called him back. And she said, I can't remember. And he said, well, I'll just stand here until you remember it. And then she said, well, I'll keep forgetting as long as you stand there. And it's freaking adorable and freaking disgusting. And I do it with my husband all the time. So I mean, you did that an hour later. I know. Shut up. (laughs) My ex-boyfriend used to do something similar, but it wasn't quite the same. Yeah, we're kind of gross. I'm sorry. They they were very much in love. It's just stupid they were. They needed to take a chill pill about it. <laughs> and plan shit out. <laughs> they didn't know she was going to get sold into marriage to her dad's friend. It's like what you learned from Jane Austen. If you're going to be stuck with a man that you find insufferable, he might as well at least have a lot of money. I was going to also say, 
as far as the quickly changing the mind, that could be because Tybalt was the last of the line. So they needed Juliet to pop out a grandson right quick. Uh, yeah. They needed to continue the lineage that real quick. That would have been a very interesting thing for them to have said in the dialogue of the play. Hence why I said the monologues, the ideas, never all that. That makes yeah. me wonder if that's something that would have been like somewhat obvious in context. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah. Or if Shakespeare just wrote a shitty play. The man does not, in fact, write bitchin' plays. I like him. Don't let the musical lie to you. It's it's a it's very, coming, it's it's a very here, discount West Side Story. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow. Walmart version West Side Story. Great value. Yeah, I don't want to talk to you guys anymore. <laughs> I'm just saying, heterosexual nonsense is far more tolerable than there's a soundtrack. You know the yes. 60s movie had background music in it. That doesn't count. It absolutely counts. It does not count. No. One of the songs had lyrics, they just left them out. Well, if they had sung the lyrics, then I probably would have liked it better. Place for us somewhere. <laughs> I don't know this song. It's from the West Side Story. story. <laughs> this is why you should have gone to West Side Story with me when I asked. Probably, yes. <laughs> Y'all want to go watch it together? Listen. Sometime soon? I know one song from West Side Story, and that's the one about America. He makes it go to America. La 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 America. <laughs> Life is alright in America. If, if you're, you're alright in America. I like the city of San Juan. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been to San Juan. It is nice. So one thing that I wanted to discuss was um at like specifically with Capulet telling Juliet that she had to marry Paris, I saw a lot of resemblance to Tess of the Dubervilles. Which part of Tess of the Dubervilles? The when the dad pushes her to go visit the alleged cousin. <laughs> yes and no. So it was no by like calling someone the alleged cousin. <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense if you read Tess of the Dubervilles. We should put it on the list. It's a great read. Go ahead. We are putting it on the list. So Tess married Angel. And then Angel had to leave. Or because he, Thomas he Hardy does not believe in subtle symbolism. Yes. She married a dude named Angel as an alternative to the guy who was literally twisting his mustache. In his yes. Very and, subtle, you know, Tom and, Hardy. You know, and the guy who... He's the guy that was twisting his mustache and the guy who also happened to rape her. So there's that. Um, but... That's not very nice. She married Angel. Angel found out about her child from the rapist. Angel left. Who was also the alleged cousin. Yes. And so Tess... Wait, the rapist was the alleged cousin or yes. the child? Okay. The rapist no. was alleged cousin. I mean, technically, okay. that would make her child also the cousin, a cousin, but not the same yeah, cousin. that's true. true. Which is, you know, fun. Point is that Makes Romeo and Juliet got married, Romeo had to leave, and then Juliet was betrothed to another. And that's, that gave me a lot of resemblance to Tess of the Dubervilles because Tess married Angel, Angel left, and then Tess married the alleged cousin again. She didn't marry him. She just started sleeping with him. She did marry him, actually. She married? Uh, yeah, she I thought she him. just started sleeping with him because when, no, she when Angel showed him. up, she was like, uh. Listen, it's a good We're book. talking about a completely different She started it uh, just this now. once. But, I know. I'm saying that I saw the resemblance, and that can be something that we talk about in Tess of the Dubervilles. <laughs> I really like the part where the Tess of Dubervilles, Julia, just straight up murdered her parents, though. Yes. Like, not to spoil it. Um, Lord and yes. Lady Capulet deserve that, I'd say. They did. And all I have to say for Lord and Lady Capulet is misogyny is strong in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Capulet, you pick me. Listen, oh much gosh. like Maria in West Side Story, 
Juliet is the smart one in this couple, and the hot one. Like, and she is somehow also the 13-year-old girl who's making absolute shit decisions. Okay, well, anyway, I said three, she's 18, so you might want to catch up. Listen. <laughs> Please don't hit I me. I did not think on. she was quite 18. In the but remake, they say she's 18. Ah. I don't know that she was 18 in the original. Obviously, I'm going to rewatch the original. Go see the new one, by the way. It's great. Absolutely. It is amazing. I have um, not seen it. Rita Moreno is an icon, a legend in the moment. I love Rita Moreno. We all love Rita Moreno. We stand a queen. Yes, we do. We stand a queen. Um, there was one other point that I wanted to make regarding Romeo and Juliet itself, is that it is very much a shame with the ending and both of the main characters dying, because, you know, it's a tragedy. Um, but... Everybody has to make stupid decisions. Yes. I feel like it was necessary in order to stop the rivalry. Hmm. You know what's great, though? They could have just listened to the Citizens of Verona, because the Citizens (laughs) of Verona, at the beginning of the day, at the beginning of the play, deadass, like, broke up a fight and was like, we are so sick of y'all shit. Knock it off. (laughs) They were ready to bring out the Listen, the Capulets and the Montagues are just as murderable as everybody else. We can make this end. (laughs) I did. Th- were they actually like trying to break it up, or were they trying to get in there and like voice their own opinions? And were they like taking sides? I don't think they were taking sides. I think they wanted them like to. Can stop you stop? Fighting. We're I mean, trying to have our day to day here. Yeah, I, I know because... that they, they. It says they they come in with clubs. Right. Yeah. Direct action. <laughs> <laughs> they were like. Yeah, I feel like it's an equal opposite reaction. Yeah, I don't know that it would have ended if Juliet had actually, like, left with Romeo like she intended, unless they, like, went further than Mantua, because that's, like, a one-day trip, and uh, eventually (laughs) I like to think his parents would have visited him. Um, So his mom mom apparently didn't think so. so. Yeah, his mom didn't have to die of grief. No, she's very she can't dramatic. Just go travel by herself. She's I wonder girl. where her son got it from. I didn't realize that until now. It makes so much sense. They're wait, wait. genetic. Is Romeo? Does Romeo have ADHD? Probably. Likely. That's genetic. Yeah. Yeah. Lady Montague, who has like one line, I am now going to say. Actually, could it be ADHD or autistic? I think it's ADHD not strike me as autistic. because if he was autistic, Rosalind would not have left his brain ever. I, <laughs> so the other thing is, do you think it was more Asperger's than autism? Those are I don't think they separate diagnoses. Yeah, really? They yeah, don't Asperger's isn't those anymore. a diagnosis anymore. It's autism, and then there's three levels. Uh, hmm. Three is lowest functioning, one is highest functioning, something along those lines. I don't know. It's autism I've not looked at my own paperwork. Now. Honestly, hot take. Romeo is dyslexic. He's dyslexic and he has ADHD. He is a demigod. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that he didn't live long enough to be claimed by one of the gods. He was 18. They didn't want him. They didn't want him. I wouldn't <laughs> want him either. The poor didn't want this one. <laughs> or they had already seen the story written out and just said no. Fine. So Romeo, ADHD, and dyslexic? Are you going to back up the dyslexia at all? Absolutely not. I cool. am operating exclusively on vibes. I like it. <laughs> um, the ADHD, though, I would mean? justify with poor impulse control, um, difficulties with emotional regulation, mm-hmm. uh, hyperfixation, that kind of thing. Again, that makes me wonder if he had, like, a, something else other than just ADHD, or if he had, like, trauma, or, like, any, or, like, 
misdiagnosed like depression, anxiety, that kind of thing. Oh, he does. I love how you said misdiagnosed like he had a diagnosis. (laughs) (laughs) Undiagnosed. They just diagnosed you with demons back then. Oh, the power sure, of Christ compels you. He sure yeah. also had yeah. demons. That's why he knew Friar Lawrence so well. <laughs> That's why he was on such good terms with Friar Lawrence. That's why I Doc really... was always telling him to chill. So that's how they get. That's how they get apprentices. <laughs> They were gonna send Romeo to the church. We can't send Honestly, him to the church. That He's the only the kid. Best, best outcome for Romeo, probably. We would have gone full really Heloise and Abelard here. Advice? No, you didn't have to though back in the day. Honestly, I feel like he would have done a lot better as a eunuch. But that's just me. Again, we're yeah. going. We're trying to rewrite this as Heloise and Abelard. Just saying. <laughs> I have no idea what those I words mean. It is a French, very old story. I think it was written as, in poem format of these two people who fell in love, and uh, her family was not so keen on that, so they got they gave him the Bob Barker treatment, so they both joined uh, holy orders and wrote letters back and forth. Oh, lesbians used to do that. Give them the Bob Barker treatment or join the holy no, orders? No, join the holy orders, because then you see... You don't have to get married to a real man because you're married to Jesus. Yeah. Gay people used to do, gay men used to do that as well. Lesbians are gay people. I don't know, I don't understand, other than, you know, to promote the plot, to develop character, to make it a tragedy. They didn't just leave when they had their night together. No one was checking, that's clear. They would have been pursued, I think. Yeah. Not if they went the other way. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is that... we've established that they were... a dumbass. They also yeah. established that, uh... The friar's place was a good place to hide for a bit. Yeah, any church is good is good sanctuary in the before times. And yeah, before times, I mean before the War of the Roses. I don't know why they didn't just hide Juliet in the friar's thing until they could come up with a better plan. That sounds so wrong when you say it out of context. The friar's thing. Doc's basement. <laughs> hide her in Doc's basement. Blink twice if you're being held against your will. Yeah, they they probably could have thought it through more, but that does that sounds very out of character for everyone there. Juliet yeah. was smart enough to do it. She was just very much guided by her hormones and uh, as most thirteen year olds are. Yeah, but not me. Definitely me. It was definitely me. Too. Maybe not the same hormones, but it's very <laughs> yeah. volatile age. No, um, yes. Romeo probably could have come up with a better plan, but he's a dumbass. And Juliet probably could have come up with a better plan, but she was distracted. A little distracted. Um, Doc, a little less conversation. Regrettably, um, <laughs> is actually not that smart. He's very chill. He's not very smart. Probably all the herbs. <laughs> just leave it alone for now you don't need to i was just intrigued by it um <laughs> then i got it stuck it's fine no i gotta do it no okay i'm sorry me. Okay, <laughs> i feel better now <laughs> sorry future me i'm not <laughs> i got to see how this tea strainer works so i'm also a little bit not sorry Sorry, no, sorry about but what I said. I'm just, just trying to have some fun. Don't worry, don't worry, don't lose your head. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. L-O-L. Say oh well. We're going to hell. I'm sorry, not sorry about what I said. Don't lose your head. Okay, I'm done. I think the I'm also done. Sorry. biggest part, biggest the biggest portion of audacity that I'll never, like 
not be amazed by of Henry VIII is defor- is divorcing the most Catholic monarchs. That's literally their title is the most Catholic. Divorcing their daughter. Like, damn. I mean, breaking away from the Catholic Church, you already have to have a pair. But, like, <laughs> holy shit. These were the people who united Spain and drove out the Moors and the Jews, which they should not have done. It was very mean. Um, they were known as the most Catholic. They started an entire dynasty that didn't end until they were so incestuously inbred that the last one couldn't fuck. Um, now they're Bourbons. He continued like to the baffle Christendom by continuing to live. That was That's... in his in his like notes from the Undertaker. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. Okay, we're back on a sidetrack. Let's... We are. Well, yeah. them him divorcing her did uh, result in the Anglican Church that I mentioned earlier. Um, Some familiarity yeah. with this, yes. and that is why Shakespeare thrived. Was that the and like mm-hmm. uh, Elizabeth the first was the daughter of Anne Boleyn. So without Henry divorcing Catherine, he couldn't have married Anne, meaning that. Elizabeth would never have been born, and Elizabeth was the one that she helped bring England out of, out of debt, completely demolished the Spanish Armada. Yeah, I was gonna and say she, she did a lot. Their of, navy like, good, is popular for a solid reason. Yeah, they did, <laughs> she did a lot of great things for the country. She was just, maybe not for people she, as a whole. Yeah, yeah, a little volatile, but that's about, feels like she's net negative for humanity in general. Maybe not maybe. a great idea to just leave the country to the scottish guy like yeah i get but shakespeare was was able to thrive in her reign yeah like he got he became somebody during the time when the renaissance essentially kicked off with elizabeth and what's really interesting to me about actor from a mediocre town Mm-hmm. Mediocre actor from a measly little town, but you try. You know what? An uh, attempt was made. <laughs> You've heard me slip up worse. I can't think of any right now, but you're probably right. Because um, like we're measly little, little listen, actor anyway. We've known each other 11 years. <laughs> we're going to know <laughs> some weird stuff. <laughs> I have an idea for a topic. Yeah? The one about the media based off of Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Yeah. And just... It's legacy. Lion King 2. Lion King 2, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I personally love thinking of Romeo and Juliet as a sequel to Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more about that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, my favorite depiction of Romeo and Juliet, or like the story of Romeo and Juliet, is the movie Shakespeare in Love. Because that, it, it, I understand that it's probably, it's not realistic, but I enjoy the historical fiction aspect of it, of Shakespeare writing Romeo and Juliet from personal experience. I enjoy it. That can't be a relationship that ended well if it was true. Oh, it sure did not. It um, did not. It, no. <laughs> According to the, the movie implies that it inspired the Tempest because she like goes overseas and far away to an island. And her name's Viola, and he, and William Shakespeare had an affair with Viola, who was dressing oh, as who was dressing as a boy in order to be a part of <laughs> um, William Shakespeare's new play, which he originally called uh, Romeo and Ethel, and then Romeo and Rosalind, and then Romeo and Juliet. So that 
was the progression of the play there. And they thought it was Shakespeare's new comedy, but in fact it was a tragedy. But anyway, point is. Yeah, because she got married off to Colin Firth's character. Yes. Um, it's one which, of the few Colin Firth movies I don't like. Which is one, of, which is a huge tragedy because Colin Firth just needs to be always available. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, Colin can... Firth belongs to the streets, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> he can be with um, the girl from Love Actually. I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Although I don't love the woman who played, it's not her fault, who played Lizzie Bennett in his Pride and Prejudice. Um, <laughs> I don't like that movie. I found it far too heteronormative for Shakespeare to be in love with a woman, especially when it was like, oh, Shakespeare is like really into this guy, but it's actually a girl because he's straight. Winky face. Um, <laughs> That's that, Shakespeare. When I think of Shakespeare, I just think of him as being extremely heterosexual. <laughs> I think of winky face. <laughs> I especially love the scene in the movie where he he's like reading the letter from Viola in the boat with Viola when she's going back to her uh, thing and she's still dressed up as the boy, and then she kisses him and he still thinks that he that she's the boy and his face is it just has the expression of the. F- was that he's married by the way during this film's events like he is married it is in Mm -hmm. the narrative and they didn't just pretend that Anne did not exist he is married he is cheating on his wife yeah which he did do but uh not Mm -hmm. in a rom-com i I don't like the movie but i respect other people's opinions most of the time i think cheating is bad cheating is i am actually very sensitive about it for a person who has never been cheated on She's right. Cheating, cheating is bad. We do not condone cheating or racism or adultery <laughs> or adultery. There's or a lot of things That's, we don't. Adultery is under the murder. Murder is circumstantial. This is true. Yeah. I mean, Our, technically. He had it coming. <laughs> Our approval of murder is circumstantial. Please feel free to propose scenarios. We will bring that up again when we talk about the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> What I find really interesting about Shakespeare, and specifically Romeo and Juliet, is that when the female characters aren't allowed to make their own choices and be with the person that they want to be with, that's when it's almost always a tragedy. Like, Cymbeline is a comedy. They were trying to marry her off, and they didn't do it successfully. That guy died. Uh, They tried to marry Juliet off, and then her actual husband died, and she didn't get to make the choice to be with him. So is that Shakespeare trying to, like, you know, show... Whenever the woman has a choice, things go well. That's a prevalent theory, partially probably because there was a queen, um, a really good one for the time. Um, there, Elizabeth was like a powerhouse, like, ah, damn. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also because increasing levels of people choosing who they married, not much, but a little more, like... Or at least having a say in arranged marriages, like what your standards are. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff about Anglican history in that too, but I don't remember it, so I'm not going to go into detail. Don't look at me like I'm going to go into detail. I'm waiting for the details. Well, you're going to have to wait a while, because I don't remember where it counts. <laughs> I don't care where they came from. I trust your assessment of their accuracy. I, I don't remember. You don't remember but, the details. Yeah, there was something oh, okay. about them breaking with the Catholic Church and women getting more power. It's probably... um. The Puritans would have, if I remember correctly, what I read had involved Puritanism. Okay, can I I just say, yeah, whenever 
having like a re- real patriarchal society, and then having like the whole. Are you, would you tell the queen what to do? <laughs> it's yeah. a it's a wonderful contrast. Yeah, like yeah. in in the Tempest, Miranda got to get with the guy she liked, but I, it's again Shakespeare has never spoken to a woman, as clarified in Miranda being like, "Yeah, I'll marry that guy." <laughs> no. You know, in an age when, like, actually beating your wife was legal, you're not going to do that. (laughs) No. I think Shakespeare probably understood that a lot of society's ills came from mistreating women. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think he had, I don't think he knew that women were people, though. It's like how if you beat your horse too much, your horse dies, and then you got to buy a new horse. It's not efficient. (laughs) (laughs) You can only beat the horse a little bit. The horse still has to mostly like you. So Shakespeare's women who get happy endings make their own choices. It happened in uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, too, to think of it. Um, when they went into the woods, both guys were after one girl, and then the girl who, at the end of the woods, the girl, one girl got what she wanted, and the other girl got what she wanted. That's hmm. a very, very short version of a Midsummer Spoiler, Night's Dream. Spoiler, by the way. <laughs> the play! Spoiler alert. The comedy has a happy ending. It's 400 years old. <laughs> it's, it's been out. I'm not spoiling the movie that's in theaters right now. Although we did tell you West Side Story is based on Romeo and Juliet, so it, it has a sad ending. If you didn't know, sorry. It's too late I think now. I figured it out by now. I actually wanted to say my favorite song is actually... My favorite song is actually based off of Romeo and Juliet by being based off a game that's based on... And that is Final Fantasy IV, I believe. Okay. What's your favorite song? It's a long freaking title. It's, um, actually, let me just pull it up. That begs the question, what other, like, have we seen evidence of Romeo and Juliet in media other than West Side Story and... Um, it predates, uh, the actual play. Yeah. There were many, many, many similar stories going way back into Greco-Roman times, um, but they got closer and closer to... The Romeo and Juliet we're familiar with now, by which I mean the Shakespeare play, not the West Side Story. They yeah, got closer the to that, especially <laughs> towards the end of the 15th century, according okay. to the book I read a little bit of while trying to do the research before I went to the farmer's market. Do you guys personally know any other like media references to Romeo and Juliet that aren't very like poignant, I believe? Poignant? Poignant. Poignant, yeah. Poignant. I know the word. I'm not sure what... I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what it means. Like prevalent? Mm. Emotionally meaningful is how I understood poignant. I'm going to Google poignant, but um, there is an episode of The Nanny where she gets cast in a local Romeo and Juliet production. Yeah, I feel like Romeo and Juliet being a specific plot point in media is more common than actual adaptations of Romeo and Juliet, weirdly. There's also the an Lion episode... The Lion King, too, like Tori said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's an episode story. of um, The Brady Bunch where they do that, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, evoking a keen sense of sadness or regret. Okay. I was close. We were both close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Circling the definition of poignant. We almost got it. <laughs> I usually understand it in context. I just don't understand it well enough to explain it to people. That kind of weird level of knowledge. Yeah. Yep. Approximate knowledge. Approximate best. knowledge of many things, Fred. <laughs> I was saying that's the... Uh, yeah, that line. What's it from? It's from that's Adventure you're trying to explain. <laughs> the, the character's name is actually Finn. <laughs> For context. In The Nanny, when she's in it, they have changed the ending to where you see Romeo and Juliet go to heaven because they're trying to make it really bad so that it's like the producer's movie. Like That's all I, I watched that episode like 10 years ago. That's all I got in me. Yeah, I don't actually okay. know a lot about 
other Romeo and Juliet media because I don't like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Gonna show you I the think Starcross dumb. I think Starcross lovers is dumb as. F- I think that's a stupid ass plot point. I agree to a point. I do think that like the idea of the Starcross lovers is a default plot point, and sometimes it's just like the fallback, and it's a it's a trope that we're all familiar with. Right. And having that familiarity allows us to get in, dive into the media and see and actually like understand the story without needing more preface. It's like a little shortcut. So I think that it is a very simple plot. Like it's a very predictable plot. We all knew what was going to happen going in. Um, but I also think that it's like the easiest Shakespeare play, which is why it. This is not what Shakespeare intended to do with this play, <laughs> but it sure does make it easy to teach as your first uh, Shakespeare introduction. Like, that's why they teach that first at a lot of schools, is because you can read this and extrapolate from it what the plot is without having to try to follow what the hell's going on in Hamlet. Yeah. Which I like Hamlet. A little bit of everything, all of the time. Yeah. And it's good. Is it? Is yes. it? Listen, characters get kidnapped by pirates halfway through that, and it doesn't even warrant being on the stage. There is too much happening in Hamlet. There is not too much happening in Hamlet. Hamlet is the ragtime of Shakespeare plays. It's got some interesting grammar choices. (laughs) Got a lot happening. (laughs) Got a lot happening. If we didn't know that the uncle was, (laughs) if we didn't know that the father was dead, (laughs) (laughs) would not be strange at all. Follow us, we're funny. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'd like to say that uh, based on our last three episodes, we like uh, books with dead people in them. Send us your recommendations. I like ghost stories. Add in comments in YouTube, or you can uh, tweet at us on, uh, on Twitter and let us know any suggestions for epic novels, whether... Uh, classic or current with dead people in them. We would love to hear <laughs> you your recommendations. You can even have alive people in it too. Now, just want. as just so that everybody understands the baseline, on this podcast we will not talk about Harry Potter. Yeah, those ghosts don't count. We will not go into that dis- decision any further. But please respect our decision in that we were we are not talking about Harry Potter. Don't add us. Don't do it. Don't do it. I will fight you. I'm good at fighting people on the internet. Uh, probably because I'm not good at fighting people in She's real life. She's actually quite good at fighting yeah. people in real life. And unfortunately, we <laughs> don't have enough followers, so we're not going to block you, but... Uh, yeah, we will. <laughs> we Speak for yourself, Libby. You. I, I have the password to that Twitter account. We won't block you right away. We'll be really mean to you first so that you unfollow us. And then if that doesn't work, we'll block you. And by we, I mean me. Um... <laughs> Look, my formative years were spent on 4chan. I'm just a bully. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you have... <laughs> if what you did have, you think happened? Just general internet. <laughs> if you have been, felt personally attacked by Kirsten, leave Good. us a comment <laughs> down below. <laughs> Raise your hand if you feel personally victimized by Kirsten. <laughs> All your hands should be going up or I'm not doing my job. <laughs> You gotta like our uh, pinned tweet if you've been personally victimized by me. Wait until I get the typo fixed, though. So nah, the typo gives it character. It does give it character. But it also so takes it out of the classics it. tag, because I left the eye out of it. The name of the song is in- The Impresario, okay. and it is 
apparently based on Final Fantasy VI. So yeah. Final Fantasy VI might be the one with Terra, but it might also have a subplot of Romeo and Juliet. It does characters. have a stage play. Final Fantasy VI, there's an opera in it or something? I don't know. I haven't yeah. played it. Oh. I wound oh. up finding it on Overclocked Remix. <laughs> so. I just remembered that there was a book I read once. It was like a young uh, adult fiction novel. Um, a girl had a crush on a guy and was excited that their school was doing Romeo and Juliet. And she and he auditioned for it. She didn't get a part, but he did. He got cast as Juliet. <laughs> and they, the school had made the decision to cast an all-male reenactment of Romeo and Juliet. That seems like it violates Title IX. It's technically historically accurate. But... It is historically accurate. Because in the time of Shakespeare, yeah. they only, ha- only males were allowed on the stage because women were too delicate. delicate. I read a book in high school, I don't remember what it's called, but it was Romeo and Juliet being told from uh, Rosalind's perspective, which is interesting because she's not actually in the play, like you never see her, but she ends up falling in love with Benvolio at the end. Oh, good for Rosalind. Good for Rosalind. She got to choose her own word I'm not going to say because I told my cousin about this episode. Uh, Although I'm I'm still left. I'm still laughing how at the beginning Romeo's all up in a tizzy because Rosalind would rather join the holy order than go out with him. His affections were so fickle and he's so dramatic though. Like I get I it. know. Like girl, he was right. <laughs> how he ever caught Juliet, I'll never know. She's oh, he 13, acted quick. Oh, he did act quick. <laughs> to be fair, she straight up was like, "Listen, bro, you're gonna marry me or you hit a f- around." Yeah, and and I also think that she was she had just finished puberty, like seriously, thirteen. You just finished puberty. I was not. Maybe finished. you like finished puberty. I or barely like, started. You're like just like I was st- getting to the end there. You're like going through puberty, and so you have all this fixation on oh, what this body do, and now you have another guy, a guy showing He's interest in you. Only got two days to find out. They'll apparently. show you what that body do. Exactly. <laughs> Let me see what that body do. Well, you know, as soon as women Throw get into puberty, back. they can't control themselves. So you got to marry them all. Exactly. As soon as they can start having children, they're going to start having children. So mm-hmm. you might as well get them. They're going to want to make babies, so they should exactly. at least be legal exactly. babies. Exactly. Can't have no bastards. Nope, no bastards up in this place. Tell me you're having Hellenistic influence to this day without telling me you're having Hellenistic influence to this day. <laughs> what about women being, like, super horny all the time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was that or bastards, and I was like, I mean, I'm sure there are bastards, I don't know. No, they it's literally like were like, yeah, no, she's old enough that she's gonna want to do things. Let's get her into a marriage so she can do the things and make babies! <laughs> yes. That we don't have to be ashamed of. For shame, for shame. Before the internet, you could just move and lie. Exactly. You had to move pretty far in some cases. It depends on how advanced your roads and postal system was. Uh It was pretty good in Italy. Just putting that out there. Just go to Spain. It's the same language, right? That's the best look you've ever given. (laughs) You're almost making eye contact with me. I can tell. Um, You really want to glare at my eyes. my sight. So uh, we might have to cut it here. (laughs) Throw Tori to the ground. We're gonna defenestrator. <laughs> There's a window somewhere in this apartment. Right there. Thank but you, it's Gwen. ground level. <laughs> it's fine. I don't want to kill her. I don't think you could lift me. I could not. I absolutely could not. 
Um, and not because you're big. I'm just weak. I'm not small. <laughs> the angling would be a little awkward because you're tall. But... I am. So... Anyway. <laughs> Final thoughts on Romeo and Juliet. Um, ben Folio was the only sane man in this play, and that's why he was not in this podcast, because we were too busy bitching about the crazies. Yeah. <laughs> I like this play, but I understand why people don't. I'm also the sort of person who watches the same campy Christmas rom-com 50 times. It's the Christmas part that's a problem. Um, you just don't understand me. <laughs> like, it, like I said at the beginning, don't like the characters. Story, man. Yeah, there's, the star-crossed lovers trope is uh, relatable to a point. But it's a good classic play. Like, as soon as you say anything Shakespeare, you automatically think Romeo and Juliet. So, obviously. So, obviously. (laughs) I have been stuck (laughs) in my tracks. So, I do think that Shakespeare did something right with Romeo and Juliet because it's so well known and because there's so much based off of Romeo and Juliet. Mm hmm. The but, Trump wasn't so tired in 1595 because <laughs> yeah, it's the first time. But now that we've like now that we are 500 years later, four or 500 years later, we are it's able. A dead to... horse, stop beating it. <laughs> Couldn't have put it better myself. Thank you. I like the funny ones. But yeah, I I feel like now we can look back at it and read through it and realize that some of this shit should not have worked. But <laughs> that's what it like did. All Renaissance writing, honestly, that sounds like the history of mankind. This shit shouldn't have worked, but it did. It did, and that's why it's a classic, is because it's well known and well understood. So our next episode. Our next episode. Uh, next time we will have a, a guest in order to discuss our book, Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. So hopefully you guys will tune in for that next time. Um, until then, find us on YouTube, find us on Spotify, find us on Twitter. You know the deal. Okay, Come read bye. with us. But be careful, because if you look for me tomorrow, you will find me a great man. <laughs> Come read with us, bye. <laughs>